Hey, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. <laughs> and this is Katie Weaver, and I'm here with my co-host and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. How are you? I am good. I am a little tired. Right. You all may know that my wife had surgery on Friday. She's doing really well. Everything went great. But when you're the guy in charge of the pain meds, means that you get up a lot in the middle of the night if you know what I'm saying so I'm a little tired but other than that I'm really good just you know good I've had lots of time this weekend to uh sit around and watch true crime documentaries (laughs) (laughs) like that's not what I do all the time anyway but right well she's been a little sleepy well we got to go visit today and she looks pretty dang good and she does Looks like she's just healing up. So, well, she's lucky she's got you. You're a good nurse. Well, thank you. I, I definitely do my best. She joked before the surgery she was going to buy a bell. And then after we got home from surgery, she first realized she'd forgotten to buy the bell. So she said she was going to download an app on her phone. So she could remember. <laughs> it's like, listen, first of all, we're pretty much always in the same room. So I don't know why you need a bell. <laughs> because she thinks she's funny. Yeah, yeah she thinks she's real funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, she has nursed me through several surgeries, mm-hmm. and I've never really been on this end of this before. Yeah. And so she was kind of pretty sure it was my turn. So yeah, this this is true. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's always been a good nurse for you, and I would just expect that's just she how has. it's going over there. I've so. been a great nurse for her. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to eat anything but Oreos, which I don't think is that good. I did make her real dinner right. tonight, and she did eat it. But Oh, that's good. I know. As yeah. soon as you said all she wanted was Oreos, God said, well, then we're going to get her an Oreo blizzard right well, now. That was that was a great idea. I hadn't even yeah. thought of that. But, yeah, for some reason, we never have Oreos. We don't have stuff like that in the house ever. Yeah. But I ordered groceries and had them delivered, and she's like, can I please get double stuff Oreos? I'm like, Okay. Actually, do you know <laughs> that they now have mega stuff Oreos, which are even more stuff than double stuff Oreos? Because I did not know. There's uh, not enough stuff in that stuff. I, 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 right? I don't know. We have them now. There you go. She's very wow. pleased with them. So whatever. <laughs> well, little yep, sicky foo foo gets what she wants. So there we she go. She does exactly. <laughs> so how are you doing? Um, I'm good too. Yeah, I had such a busy week last week. I just could hardly catch my breath. So it's been really nice today to pace myself a little bit more and have a little more time for case research and to work on a few things. And so this is our first case of the week. And mm-hmm. I'm excited about it. I'm also excited because I on the 5th, which is on Wednesday, and that's our MMIW day typically anyway. Mm-hmm. It's it's MMIW day. Right. So missing like and national indigenous day. women. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Their international day of recognition. So we will be doing a special that day, talking a lot more about the missing and murdered indigenous women movement and what's new with it and how you can contribute and what you need to know. And I'm really excited for that because it's really, that movement's catching a lot of steam. There's a lot of stuff happening, uh, grinding around in the wheels of government to help more and to, you know, cut back on what's happening in in our indigenous nations. It's just, it's horrifying. So 
It is. And, and, you know, what we're hoping for is to run out of cases to share, you know, like let's, let's run out of cases to share because everything's solved and all of this horrible stuff is, I can never say that it's stopped because the criminal, the, the, the crimes themselves, you know, we, we're going to work on those for sure, but at least Mm -hmm. we can get to a place where they're not unsolved, missing, Mm -hmm. never found, deemed suicides when they're not, you know, deemed, Mm -hmm. Died from the elements when that's bullshit. Yeah. You know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, you know, there's some progress happening and it's nice to see it. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So that is what, uh, that's what's going on. So we're well, excited for the week. Yes, we are. And if you didn't see, I did a, a, a pop-up, can't say the word, a pop-up on Saturday uh, about uh, where Lorena and John Bobbitt are now. Yeah. It's been almost 30 years since that case, you guys. We believe that. I was a junior in high school. And and mm-hmm. I got to tell you, in researching it to do it, turns out I didn't know shit about that case. All I knew is that he got his you-know-what whacked off. And that's really mm-hmm. all I knew. There's so much more to that case. Yeah. And it really is a case about domestic violence. Oh, yeah. And violence against women and mm-hmm. violence against women who are immigrants and yeah. there's so much to it so anyway go listen to my pop-up i i got a bit punny on it a few times um well it would be hard not to because there case. are some I moments mean, of hilarity in that case as well yeah. as some terrible moments and but go listen because i i think it's an important one to revisit because actually that mm-hmm. case has created some pretty significant strides mm-hmm. in um domestic violence laws and yeah, and victims, the way right? things are handled, and, you know, yeah. things and things are not perfect by any means, but they are better yeah. than they used to be. And Lorena Bobbitt, who is now Lorena Gallo, has actually done a mm-hmm. lot of work for that. So, yeah, check yeah. it out. It was yeah, she's actually extraordinary. She yeah. really is. She yeah, mm-hmm. she took that experience and very much used it to improve her life. Yeah. Without now, John Wayne Bobbitt, not so much. No. So yeah, oh, no. go check it out. Oh. Dude, is it true? Well, I'm not going to say it right now. Because we have another case to follow. And I'm not going to, yep, I'm not going to sully this case with saying what I think about John Wayne Bobbitt. But right. you can imagine what I would call him if I could, but I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. I'm doing something else. <laughs> but I I probably totally did. So go, I'll bet I you did. remember yeah. what I called him, but go watch the pop up <laughs> because it was a lot of fun. Or listen, it's both watchable and listenable. Yeah. Well, our case today is our group case for the week. And this is a listener request that we received a few weeks ago. And we've been holding on to it until we had time to dive into it. Uh, This was suggested to us by listener Stacy. No request. This is actually a family member of hers. Yeah. And we'll go a little light on those details out of respect for her family and to protect their safety. But that's so that's what we'll say about that. But this is a case. This is a murder. I know, big surprise. So this happened in Ohio, in the Mm -hmm. the Mentor, Ohio area in Mm -hmm. Lake County. And on the 13th of December, 1980, two men were hunting, a dad and a son. And they were hunting along the side of the railroad right away. When they noticed there was a brush pile 
off the road that they could see a man's shoe sticking out of. Yeah. They went over and checked it out, and then they could see that there was a pant leg with a bone sticking from out of it, you know, a shoe tied to the foot. And they pulled a little more brush back from the pile and found cloth where they thought a shoulder would be. And then they could smell it and realized we're looking at a dead body. Yeah. So dad. Yeah. So dad stays with the body, gathers up their dogs. Uh, They had hunting dogs with them and gathered them up and and waited on the scene while the sun went, you know, pre-cell phone. (laughs) <laughs> 1980 man yeah wait probably went to a phone booth right the or young and probably station. don't even know what that is right so he calls the police and the police come of course and they come and check it out and indeed we have a dead body here in a shallow grave so it was about a two-foot grave but there were parts of the body that were sticking out of the ground. I'm guessing mm-hmm. as the, uh, the the ground had uh, corroded a little bit or, you know, the wind had blown, you know. It, it settled, you know, loose yeah. soil settles. and mm-hmm. Yeah, there was just, uh, you know, he wasn't buried very deeply. So they, it was a man. They could uh, deduce that at least. But it was a skeleton. Mm-hmm. It was a skeleton. There was very little, uh, you know identity left on this body it was mostly just a, a skeleton mm-hmm. and so the coroner came and took a look at it and this is what he says his name was frederick frederick e watcher he was the coroner uh he's an md which i gotta say go ohio because as you guys know that have helped us follow the ballo case our coroners are not No, not medical professionals at all, actually. No. So he says, after personal observation of the corpse as required by law and considering the surrounding circumstances together with statements of persons having adequate knowledge of the facts, I reached the conclusion that no autopsy and no inquest were necessary. I find that the cause of death was two gunshot wounds of the thorax. Essentially, he was shot in the chest twice. Yeah. So then they turn the body over to the uh, to the state pathology lab mm-hmm. where they do an exam. They do a postmortem dental exam and they're able to on December 17th, they're able to uh, match them up to a guy named. Stephen Knack. So Stephen Knack had actually been missing since July, or I'm sorry, since February of that year. Stephen was last seen on the 22nd of February in 1980. Uh, His wife didn't report him missing for a little while. It looks like she didn't report him missing for a week. And that's when his family found out he was missing was Mm -hmm. after a week and nobody knew what happened to him. And then, you know, 10 months later, these hunters find him buried in a shallow grave. Uh, There was, there's some strange things about it. uh, One being that his Jeep 
was missing as well and was found months later. And it sounds like there was someone driving it that was kind of a friend of a friend or a relative of a friend, uh, which was very strange. So mm -hmm. the, the story as we know it is that he was supposed to go to the doctor that day. And then to the dentist, the dentist. Yes. And then he was supposed to meet up with his friend, Gary Strong, his friends, Gary Strong and James Fletcher. So a couple of interesting things to note. He did go to the doctor. That was verified. He did. Mm -hmm. uh, after that, um, that's when this trail just goes completely cold. But a couple of interesting things to note. Where the body was buried was very near Fletcher's parents' house. Yeah. Which is odd, to, mm -hmm. you know, to say the least. Uh, the other thing, though, is that Stephen was actually facing charges at the time of his death. He'd been arrested for shooting at Gary Strong's house. Yeah. Like firing at the house. Firing at the house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he hadn't been to court yet on that, but that was coming. Mm -hmm. He'd been arrested and had been charged. Mm -hmm. uh, the police didn't do very much. They didn't like do practically anything. Practically anything. And in fact, there's multiple uh, interviews with them in, in local newspapers with them kind of going, this is going to be a hard one. This is going to be a hardy because we didn't know about it for too long. It, there was such a long time. This one kills me. Such a long time, the police chief said, between the time that the body, he disappeared to the time the body was found that we just don't, I just don't know. It's such it a dismissive. It was 10 months. It wasn't yeah. like 10 years. Yeah. Well, the, the fact yeah. that it was near Fletcher's parents' house. Also, it was clearly not criminal masterminds. They only buried him two feet deep. Yeah. I mean, come on. Have we learned nothing from Chad Daybell? So once they had identified, you know, Stephen and his family did hold a funeral for him. None of mm -hmm. his friends attended the funeral. Mm-hmm. Which, some uh, kind of rough friends, some friends family members friends. thought were kind of, um, <laughs> as one family member described them, the, they were kind of badasses. Like the neighborhood badass, yeah. Yeah, so they yeah. were kind of the not so good guys. And mm -hmm. yeah, so they none of them came to his funeral. No. Which seemed odd, considering mm -hmm. these were, were his friends. You'd think they would yeah. care if he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most definitely. So it's just a really, it's a strange thing. And then, you know, as we know, in the initial report, they said they didn't need an autopsy. And then mm -hmm. in the newspaper, the coroner said he was awaiting results of tests made during the autopsy to determine the cause of death. There's some discrepancies that are kind yeah. of strange. I think they're I think it's a mix up in terminology because he went to a forensic pathology lab because mm -hmm. he's just bones at this point. Yeah. So you can't really do an autopsy on bones because there's nothing to cut open. Yeah. So I feel like he was referring to 
the forensic pathology lab and the tests that they were doing and the things that they were doing, but it all kind of came out muddled and weird. And yeah, like how, how are you going to do an autopsy on bones? Yeah. That doesn't happen. But that there was, there were some tests run. There was some stuff done, mm-hmm. um, you know, that came from the, uh, you know, I mean, they, they did mm-hmm. the dental comparison. They knew. Well, they must have eventually done the actual autopsy because, well, there is an autopsy, but, uh, you know, initially they said they didn't need one, but they did do some sort of autopsy because there's some paperwork on that. But they also did say that they found not bullets, but metal frags in the bone. So Mm -hmm. they did go that far. It's it's weird. Like some of this stuff just feels like there's some indiscrepancies. But uh, so this poor family. You know, he's been missing mm-hmm. for 10 months. He's finally found. They finally are at least able to have a service for him. Right. And yet it just feels like there's not, the police aren't taking it very seriously. They don't really do no. much. Mm-mm. They never do. And his family over the years, his poor parents and his sisters are just destroyed over this. Right. And there's just no answers. It's like people are just kind of acting like, well, see ya. Yeah, well, I guess he got killed, you know. Like yeah, it, it, there's just, just, and so they, over the years, they have tried to collaborate with the police a few times and find out more, asking for more documentation, asking for police reports, asking for things that they were denied. Yeah. So their question, of course, is what the hell happened to Stephen? Right. Who killed him and why? So a few things to note. He was dealing some drugs. He was wrapped up with some pretty crappy people. Mm-hmm. At the time of his death, he was not employed. And th- so we have taken a look at everything that was provided us and also just used our own gifts to come, you know, to a conclusion about what we believe happened to Stephen Knack. Yeah. So there was, were a few things happening. They were selling drugs on the street. They were also acquiring drugs from a local doctor. Yes. And that doctor was murdered. Yeah. I'm not sure if he died before or after Stephen. I think it was after. I but, think so too. That was yeah. my impression. But there was some pretty serious crime going down, you know, in around these guys. Yeah. And so here's what we the, the, what we have deduced here is that he had gotten himself in financial trouble with these guys. We believe that he was taking more than his fair cut for the drugs that he was selling because he he wasn't working. He didn't have Mm -hmm. any money besides this. And he was paying rent and, you know, taking his money, money that wasn't his and spending it. And he'd gotten into a pretty good hole with them. Yeah. We believe that when he got home from the dentist, he was supposed to meet up with these guys to talk about his debt with them and how he was going to work it out and that they killed him. And obviously, you know, buried him in this shallow grave. Uh, The thing about it is, and this is the conclusion that we're at with it, is that it was because it was two parts. He owed the money. He also had a big beef going with Gary. There was some question in the family if perhaps his wife was having an affair with Gary. Mm-hmm. 
we had agreed that while that might have been true, it didn't necessarily resonate as truth, but we didn't believe that that actually had anything to do with what was going on. No, between it was them. definitely the drug business and drug debt mm-hmm. that was the, the, the reason for his death. We believe that Stephen shot up Gary's house in an attempt to scare him mm-hmm. and to shut him up because he mm-hmm. was putting all this pressure on him. We, we believe that was an attempt to prove to him that he, I'm not going to be bullied and pushed around by you. The problem is then he got arrested and now he was facing charges for what he did to Gary. And we feel like Gary was getting really nervous that Stephen was going to use the fact that he was being charged with a crime to ruin Gary. Yeah. Yeah. There there was a lot of risk showing up here. Now he's in trouble with the cops and getting all this attention. And yeah, was he going to, turn and give some information to keep himself out of trouble. He had become a liability. He had created Mm -hmm. a situation where he was now a liability in a situation where the people working with him did not want to go down with him. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so the decision was made to go ahead and take him out, which Mm -hmm. is exactly what they did. I feel like he was, the clothing he was found wearing were the same clothes he wore the day he disappeared. This oh, yeah. didn't he go was killed on. That day. They, they killed him that day. I think that they actually killed him right in the vicinity that uh, they buried him. They didn't mm-hmm. go very far. They were, mm-hmm. that's pretty much where they were. And then they just sat and waited. Mm-hmm. How did the cousin end up with his Jeep? You know, I got to say, and I hate to say this because I know it was family that asked us to cover this case, but I do feel there were some family members that knew exactly what went down with him, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. including that cousin. I feel like he was asked by these individuals. Well, it wasn't a family him. member's cousin that had the Jeep. It was uh, one of the friends. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm i sorry. It was this the cousin Fletcher's Jeep. knew what had happened and was told uh-huh. to take the car. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently he drove it for a while before they found it and got it back from him. I'm a little unclear on how that all went down, but yeah, he was, he was Fletcher's cousin. They yeah. had the Jeep, you know, they were also near Fletcher's parents' house where they killed Gary and buried him. Yeah. So why did his wife wait so long to report him missing? I have a theory on that. I, it feels weird and suspicious and nefarious. I think it actually wasn't. Yeah, now, it wasn't. I'm not impressed with all that whole situation, but I don't think it was unlike him to be gone for a few days. Yeah. I feel like they were running drugs. They were going and picking drugs up. They were, he was, you know, running around and it wasn't mm-hmm. unlike him. Now, to be gone a whole week was unlike him. I feel like yeah. after he was gone a few days, she started to go, where is he? couple more days. Oh God, what do I do? But I feel like she knew he was involved in a bunch of illegal stuff and didn't want to report him missing to the police because if he was found, maybe he was doing something illegal and he was going to have more charges. So I feel like she kind of, she wasn't sure what to do, but after a week, that was just to not check in with her at all after a week was absolutely not like him. And she finally realized that she had to go to the police and say something because now it had been too long. Yeah. 
definitely. I don't yeah, think but, she knew who killed him or why, or even that he was dead. I she knew that there was some bullshit amongst him and his friends. Yeah, I think she had an know. inkling, but mm-hmm. she didn't actually know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree. She there was no involvement with her. She no. just she knew that he'd already been in trouble and he was kind of running around. And if she mm-hmm. reported it, she might just get him in more trouble, which yeah. would make him very angry with her. Mm-hmm. Their relationship, I feel like, was not healthy and was actually pretty volatile. Yeah. And yeah, it just it wasn't a good situation. Mm-mm. So then, of course, I fell to the family to uh, to bury him and then to keep asking questions. And they are continuing to ask questions. And just a few years ago, they went back to the police department and asked more questions and could get nothing from them. Yeah. So then the question is, so we're, we're trying to ask answer their questions as well as our own. Because when a case like this comes up, Christy and I both have lots of questions that pop up for ourselves that we want to be able to answer or at least mm-hmm. ponder on, you know? Yeah. I'll tell you guys something I found very strange. I was searching through unsolved murders and cold cases in Ohio. And interestingly, there is a, uh, as a part of their de- Ohio Department of Justice website, mm-hmm. there is a full listing of all unsolved cases in the state that go goes back decades. Guess who's not on it? This guy. Yeah. yeah He's not I, on it. There's some kind, there, there's a connection here. There's mm-hmm. some police involvement. There's some awareness of mm-hmm. the drug ring that was going on here and some looking the other way of that. Mm-hmm. They did not want that to get opened up to the world no no they did not so they just kind of went well darn we don't know who killed him you know i i just feel like they you know use the excuse of oh they found his body skeletal remains it's just too hard blah blah Mm -hmm. blah it's just been too long we just don't know i I think they damn well knew yeah oh i did too protected the killers because I, I feel like the corruption in their police department at that point went very deep. Yeah. In fact, the chief of police in that department actually was only, I believe he was there from 76 to 81. He only lasted one more year after him. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying that he was corrupt, but there was a lot of corruption within their law enforcement agencies at that time. Yeah. Uh, and it was drug and money related. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like it was very convenient to not solve this case. And, you know, one thing that they had in their favor is that this was 1980. So they didn't really have their hands on much in the way of forensics anyway. Yeah. Or or technology. Yeah. Yeah. Like they could tell that there'd been a a gunshot, you know, gunshots into the body. I mean, I don't feel like, and they could use the dental records to identify him, but I don't know that they had much more really that they could have done with those bones at that point anyway. No. No. I mean, they had some metal shards in the the bullet holes, but again, they, they lacked the technology, you know, to go further. And even, you know, as technology has grown, they're, they have no interest in revisiting this case or continuing no. to dig through it. Uh, interesting that on their uh, the Department of Justice website, there's some there's a a statement or a quote at the top that says, you know, in in our state, no case goes cold. 
And I thought, well, that's rich because mm-hmm. yeah, they do. Yeah, they, yeah, sure they do. freaking do. So, you know, the hardest part with cases like this and how many times have we seen this where someone goes missing and mm-hmm. or is murdered and law enforcement is very much uh, able to pick and choose what cases they actually want to investigate or take a look at, which ones mm-hmm. they care about. I didn't know that until I really started, you know, diving hard into true crime. I guess I just right? thought that most of these cases were treated equally and fairly. And that's just not the case at all. No, it isn't. Not in the least. And yeah, a case can have emphasis or it can be shoved in a corner and forgotten about based based on the whims of the people investigating the cases, you know? And I know not everybody's that way. And, you know, I mean, don't. Yeah, we're not trying to add us with a bunch of shit. But no, we're not trying to demonize all police, but we've seen this so many times. It's not just the police Mm -hmm. department. It's the Department of Justice in general. It's the prosecutors as well that decide to prosecute something or not, you know. And in this case, uh, I doubt it even made it as far as a prosecutor because they Mm -hmm. just kind of went. Sorry, no. we got nothing. They never publicly um, get, gave any theory of the crime Mm-mm. or any suspects. Nothing. Nothing. Nope. Nope. So it just left his family all these years wondering why their son had to die, why their brother had to die, and yeah. why nobody cared. And yeah. I think that's horrifying. Honestly, I think this right here is a portion of reform of Department of Justice uh, or, or police reform that is terribly needed mm-hmm. in equality for cases because right. damn, there isn't. And yeah. that's so hard for me to swallow. It is for me too. And I, I, I want to know that there are protocols in place and I'm quite sure there are, mm-hmm. but who verifies that those right. are being followed? Right. Because time? we have current cases, current yeah. cases, of families that are in court with attorneys fighting to try to make their local uh, police departments do something and look into their, you know, right person's death. You know, we know of very recent cases where that were ruled suicides that clearly weren't. I mean, this stuff is still happening. Yeah. Yeah. This stuff is still happening. Well, and how about Rebecca Plenty Wounds, um, who died at Fort Hall right here in Idaho? Her body was found dismembered, and she's never even been classified as a victim of murder, let alone any investigation of her death at all. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, I can't think of a single way that she could have dismembered herself. So, Well, it seems beyond improbable. Well, it's just ridiculous, completely ridiculous. Absolutely. Well, yeah. But then we also have Ellen Greenberg. Uh, Yeah. Who was stabbed in the back like 12 times. Yeah. In the head, in the brain. Yeah. And they ruled that a suicide. Yeah. So at least in this case, they didn't rule it a suicide. It wouldn't have surprised me. But then, Mm -hmm. of course, we would have had to ask the question how in the world he managed to bury himself. But, you know, it wouldn't have surprised me because they Mm -hmm. wanted to just make this one go away, which... They did just through their silence, you know, mm-hmm. just through inertia, really. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that is, you know, that is the murder of 
Stephen Knack, and we want to, uh, you know, send some appreciation to his family for letting us take a look at his case, as well mm-hmm. as, you know, just love to them. I mean, this is something mm-hmm. that has haunted them now since, you know, for the last 40 years. And here they are still wondering 50, why. 50 years. 50 years? No. What, 1980? 1980s, 40, sorry. <laughs> I mean, you know, I went to Idaho where all they teach us is that one potato, two potato song. But... I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> no, or, 41, or 41 years. 41 so. years. Yep, yep. He's been gone almost as long as I've been alive. Yeah. At any rate, uh, it's really sad and it's a tragedy. We want to send our love to them and also just thank them for the opportunity to take a look at his case. Definitely. And you know what? If no case goes cold in Ohio, then I'm going to hold the energy high that uh, somebody sometime decides to take a look at this case. Right. You know, I will never say never. I'll never take any hope away, but I think it's extremely unlikely. But you know what? Miracles mm-hmm. happen all the time. Right. You never know. Yeah. And somebody might pick this case up. Well, or some, you know, deathbed. Uh, confession or. Confession. I want to say apology. I don't like that's the wrong word. Man, I've been ripe with wrong words lately, haven't I? I <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, you have. I know it's been bad. <laughs> yeah, you, you never know, or somebody squeals something in prison, or you know, things could be said. At this point, I'm afraid they would just be rumors that the family might hear a whiff of that there would still be no legal action taken. Yeah. But I hope that at least that much happens for them. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. All righty, guys, we are True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. If you want to suggest a case, head over to truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com. There's a link to click there to send us an email, and that's the best way to do it. Also, uh, you can join our Patreon there. We put out two special cases a month just for our patrons. And I keep seeing you guys suggesting cases. Do John Benet. We did. It's in Patreon. Mm -hmm. Do JFK. Do Brian Schaefer. We did. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, do Brian Schaefer. They're there. They're in Patreon. And you don't have to put in much. I mean, our, our step-up levels are insane. So, but if you want to join Patreon, you will have access to all of those cases. There's close to 40 of them in there now mm-hmm. for the, from the last year of us contributing to it. So yeah. anyway, that would be the way to do it. And we're just going to keep on keeping on over here. So we'll be back tomorrow with another new case. And then, of course, Wednesday We'll be bringing you a special production based on uh, National Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Day. And we'll go on from there. Of course, Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain, we'll have live stream case updates. And then on Thursday night at 7 p.m. Mountain, we will have the Psychic Hour. So there's still yeah. so much to come this week. So hang out with sure us. There is. Most definitely. All righty. Well, that is that. This is True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye, guys. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.